of you may think, no way. I'm like, yeah, it's a good time to be alive. It is. Oh, you okay? Oh, good. Sorry, that's drawing attention. Sorry. (laughs) She's okay. She walked off. It's so good to see Neville and Gal Westbrook in the building. Can you stand? Because no one knows. Some people know of you. Neville and Gail Westbrook were part of our church for many, 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 many years. And they ran the seniors and they served so faithfully. And a number of years ago, they went where most apparently retirees go, Sunshine Coast. And so they're continuing to serve over there. So it's so good to have you here. It's wonderful. We always love that when you visit back. It's always good. It's like, it's like the old timers in the house, mum and dad. So good. And we have Andrew's parents all the way from the south side. Now, I do do a, a mention because they've come to the promised land. I said to them, it's greener. Did you notice it's greener when you came over this side? disagreed with me, but I think it is. So good to have you all here. And if you haven't been for a while, welcome back. It's good to have you back. And later we get to have coffee together. And so it's all good, isn't it? It's like a good big Italian family. We hear the word and then we eat and drink coffee. Well, this morning I want to speak on living a life or live a life that counts. And I'm going to be speaking from an unusual passage. No, it's not unusual because it's in the Bible. But about someone that perhaps we don't take notice of so much. But do you know that they say that the average lifespan is 79 years? 79 years. Some will live longer, some will live less. But on average, 79 years. You get 79 years, hopefully, of life. And there every there are everyday repetitive things that we all do. We get we get in that 79 years on average, we sleep for 26 years. Sometimes I think Mark sleeps longer. But anyway, <laughs> that's in the lifespan of, of 79 years, okay? 26 years of sleeping. Eight years and four months of watching TV. We spend, now you can, you can go, that is not true, Nina. You got this one wrong. But we spend 17 years on the phone. Uh, I'm not going to dishonour my husband this morning. That's 33% of our waking hours right? 33%. Now, obviously, because 17 years is a long time. And so I broke, I looked at the stats and, you know, breakdown, breakdown. And, you know, that's including emails and uh, Instagram and Facebook and social media and Pinterest and, you know, a whole lot of things. 17 years. The, the social media side of the aspect, the average Australian aged over 14 spends almost six hours on social media every week. Eating, you know how many, how many hours you spend eating? Four years and six months. I reckon I spend a little bit more. <laughs> Queuing in lines, five years. Yeah, what? And waiting at traffic lights, six months. 
There you go. Here's a bit of trivia. But I say this is that we all get the same amount of time, like same amount of days in a year. You don't get 300 days and I get 365 days in a year. We all get the same amount of days in a year. We all get 8,766 hours a year. No one or none of us has less or none of us have more. According to those 79 years, you're going to have 79 years of 365 days of the year. Time is a gift. When you're young, you think you've got lots of it. When you get older, you think, oh, getting, getting, getting closer. So but we all have the gift of time. You reflect a little bit more on it as you get older and you look back and you wonder, what have you done with your life? How much have you achieved in your life? If you, are think, if you think you're too ordinary or too young or too old to be used by God in your time, you've got it wrong. God is not going to do his last day's work through big time evangelists or through pastors. He hasn't got enough of them. He's gonna do his ministry through you and through me. Pastors, evangelists, we need more. There's not enough. And I really believe and always have believed this, that you are the pastors, that you are the evangelists. We're only up here for, what is it? 5%, if that, right? But out there, that's where most of the work gets done. God is raising a people, whether you are a senior, whether you are a adult, whether you are a teenager, God is going to want to use you to do His work in the world. We need to be ready. There's going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The Bible talks about it. We're expectant, we're waiting, we're believing. We've had several over the centuries and over the years, but there is coming one big whammy one. And He is going to use you and I. I really believe it's not about pastors and evangelists. There's just not too many of them. And COVID is like stripping them away. They're like, I can't do this anymore. He needs you. He needs me. He needs us all to do the work of what He is going to do in this world. You know, throughout the Bible, we see God used ordinary people. We see He used John the Baptist. He went forth to make the people ready and be prepared for the coming of Jesus. We see He used Paul and Paul spoke about being prepared for every good work. We saw, we saw how God used Samuel and he told, Samuel told Israel that God was gonna do a new thing for them if they would prepare their hearts ready for the Lord. He spoke to them. He spoke to ordinary men and ordinary women to do what He wanted them to do, to see salvation come. You know, when God pours out His Spirit on the world, there's gonna come, we think COVID is troubled times. Let me tell you, that's just a, 
entree is <laughs> going to come. Bible speaks about it, prophesies about it. We are going to come into harder times. We're going to, don't be scared because we're on the winning side. Hey, we, we are on the winning side. Don't be afraid. Be excited because that means that great outpouring of God's Spirit's going to fall. That means many, the Bible says that the reaper will overtake the sower. That means there are going to be coming more and more people who are going to come to you and go, can you tell me about this God thing? Right, you don't even have to go to them. They're going to come to you. God wants to use you and I to do His work. You know, I always pray for opportunities. And can I encourage you to pray that God gives you opportunity to share the good news. Now you go, I don't know what to say. I don't know. You know, sometimes it's simply doing an act of kindness is sharing the good news. You're His hands, you're His feet. I always pray for opportunities. And a couple of weeks ago, I was in a restaurant and I went to pay and I just felt the from the Holy Spirit say, ask her how she is. And she had a smile on her face. It wasn't she was crying or anything. And I'm like, she seems good to me, God. But I've learned to respond to those times. And I just said, excuse me, I don't want to be prying or anything, but I feel that there's trouble, that you're, you're, you're really not, you're not going too good. And she looks at her co-worker, did you say something to her? Right? And, and I said, he's like, no, I never said anything. You know, really, really angry. And I just said, listen, if you want to talk, I would really be willing to sit and listen. I'm a good listener. And, uh, and so this week I had an opportunity to listen to her and she came, she goes, would you, would you, would you sit with me? I said, yeah, absolutely, I love listening to people. And uh, we had a great opportunity and she just poured out all this stuff and not in a good place, not in a good way, but hey, what have I got to give but the good news of Jesus Christ, the hope and the love of Jesus Christ did I lead her to the Lord? No, but let me tell you, at any time of her life, she knows how to say the sinner's prayer. She knows how to ask Jesus Christ into her life. And she said at the end, can we catch up again? I said, absolutely not. No, no, absolutely, absolutely, yes. <laughs> and so I wanna show you something. You know, think of your life like this coin. It's a 50 cent coin. Think of your life as a coin. You get one coin, right? You get one life, right? We don't get in incarnated, guys. We get one life. It's appointed once to be born and once to die. One life, right? So imagine your life as this coin. Only counts for one time, okay? You can decide where you are going to spend this coin, where you're going to spend your life. Don't let anyone spend it for you. You get to spend it the way that you want to spend it. One coin, one life for you to spend. My advice, now I'm not a financial advisor, so any disclaimer, right, is right here. But I will say to you, with this one life, you can spend it away or you can invest it. You can invest your life into someone else. 
You can invest your life to make other people happy. You can invest your life to share the hope of Christ Jesus. Or you can spend it all on yourself. But please do not waste your life. Do not waste your life on yourself. Invest your life and I guarantee it will come back with great return. That when you stand in heaven one day, you will see all those. I remember sitting at the cafe with her. I remember, she, oh, she must have given her life to Jesus along the way. How good and what a great opportunity that we have to spend our life, not away, but to invest our life. No matter where you are, no matter who you're with, choose and make a decision. How can I make this person feel better? better for having time with me. Now, it's not about me, but it's the love of Jesus that flows through me and flows through you. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, Paul speaks here and he says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are, but like those who are wise. Make the most of your time and every opportunity in these evil days. Yeah, evil, all right. Don't act. I was talking to an Uber driver the other day, not that I was in the car, someone that I knew. And I said, have you noticed the difference in Uber driving? You know, he goes, oh, my gosh. He said, I've become a chauffeur. I'm not an Uber driver anymore. He goes, the people want me to do everything. They won't touch anything, <laughs> you know, because they're so paranoid. He goes, they are fearful and they are angry. And I said, yeah, yeah, I, I, I see that. But we have the love of Jesus in us. So let's display different. Oh my gosh, Leo and Will, can you please stand? They got married on Friday and you're in church. How good is that? How good is that? That's awesome. Sorry for onlineers. This is a precious moment. Instead of on a honeymoon, they're in church. I love that. I'll give you some time off. <laughs> Make the most of your time and every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. This passage teaches us a lot. It says, basically, be careful about our time and our choices. Be a person that is on purpose, who lives on purpose. Live a life worth living. Really think about what we are going to choose and do and make wise decisions. Make the most of your time. Don't let opportunities pass you by. That's all in that one scripture. Don't be passive. Don't be vague and thoughtless and foolish. Know the will of God and grasp it firmly and do it. That's in that We've got 79 years on average, perhaps more or less. Use your time, invest your time, use it wisely. You know, life that counts, a life that counts cannot be measured by the titles you earn or the profession that you are in or the amount of money that you have when you retire. There is something far better to living a life that really counts for God and mankind. You know, someone once said, school gets you ready for examination, but life gives you the finals. How true is that? What do we do with our lives? How can we make our lives count? How can you 
make your life count? How can you make your life count? How can you make someone else's life better because they've met with you? Today, I wanna talk about a nameless girl in the Bible. The Bible says she's got no name, but how significant her life was that today we get to talk about her. Today, this girl is a nameless young girl in the Bible. She was nameless but significant. Nameless but lived a life that counted. She was nameless but said yes to God, to be used by God. She was nameless but today we get to talk about her in history. She was nameless but her name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. And today I wanna talk about this nameless young girl who made such a difference in the people around her. And we're gonna read the passage from 2 Kings 5, chapters 5, 1 to 5. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given, given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, the Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who had given, been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. She's talking about the prophet Elijah. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. You know, we see in this story about a commander, a man who was in control, a man that was in charge, a man who had authority, and yet he took this pretty much you could say, hostage, a slave girl to serve in his home and his family. She was a Jew, he was a Hebrew. So, sorry, he, she was a Jew, he was a foreigner. He was an Armenian, so he was a foreigner, but she was a Jew. She was a faithful, God-fearing young girl who grew up in a home that loved the Lord Jesus. And in, as a commander, he had great authority, he had great power, and yet takes this captive girl, this girl into captivity to live in his home and to serve his wife and that home. This young lady had, chose, had no choice in the matter, but she did have a choice in her attitude at how she lived in that home and worked as a maid. Naaman was the second highest in the second highest position in all of the nation. So he was a powerful man. And when this young captive girl learned about his illness and, and leprosy was pretty much a, an illness that was incurable and literally killed you. So it was a slow death of flaky and pain and eventually you lose parts of your body. You know, when you live in a home, you get to really know how, what people are really like in their own home. It's, it's in the home that you, 
relaxed, the most relaxed. You should be anyway, right? It's in the home that Mark walks around with his shorts, you know, sometimes no shirt. He's got a great body so he can do it. You know, like it's in the home that we relax and you feel the most coming. So this young lady, she saw Naaman in his home. She saw what he was like. This young young lady would see him and would serve him. You know, she could have been a little bit vindictive. She could have chosen to enjoy his suffering. Well, I am your slave. I'm here, but not by my choice. So she could have been a bitter young girl and even not even tell him about how he could be healed by going to the prophet. She could have been a girl who just made his life hell. But no, she chose to live a life of love and kindness. She could have felt totally insignificant in that home, being a slave. You may be here today and sometimes you may feel totally insignificant. You know, there are people in this church who come really early to set up the chairs to wash the toilets. Lisa loves, she told me she loves washing the toilets, right? There are people who serve you. Like I I can go right through the church. There's so many volunteers that serve you to make it comfortable for you to come and enjoy the service, to receive something. Some of you not even gonna meet a Lisa. Some of you may not even meet some of these people who get here really early, the sound people who get here and Alex, you know, different ones who serve and some of them even serve during the week. Some of you may never get to know their names, but let me tell you, their reward is going to be great in heaven. Sometimes people think the reward is great on a pastor. Let me tell you, I am no different than you. I'm just fulfilling the God call on my life. You have a call on your life. You are a minister of Christ. And as you spend your life, whether it be serving in the house or serving in your community, as you invest in others, let me tell you, God is pleased with your work. Well done, good and faithful servant. Some of you may be feeling getting, but I know, serve. Well, maybe there's time an opportunity for you to serve in other ways. I think the different, our our deacons and our head ushers and so many of you just serve so faithfully. Some of you, like the Moors and different ones, I, I can go on and on and on, for years have been serving, leading life groups for years. I reckon when I get to heaven, I'll be behind some of you going, can I carry a crown? Bit heavy for you. Because God sees how you serve. So well done for serving the kingdom of God so well. You may not get an award. You you may not be known. But let me tell you, God knows. God sees. And he sees. They're investing well. They're investing well in in others around them. She cared Enough to serve well and to speak up. I want to look at five things, all starting with C so you can remember, 
about this young, nameless girl who made her life count so well. She had faith enough to believe that her God can do great things in her captive, in Naaman's life. Number one, what made this nameless servant so significant? Her commitment. You see, her commitment was to God first and then to Naaman and his wife and the others second. She was committed simply to work so well in the home that she found herself in. She was committed to be and to do her best for the Lord. I know what it is to work in a secular place and you just go, oh my gosh, like really get a life with some people. No one in here. But some people work with different people and you just go, really? Like, get me out of here. You know, everything that you do, you don't do it for them. You do it unto the Lord. They just pay your check. They just pay your wages. So when you work, work as if you're working for God. And when I had that mind shift, I'm working for God. Whatever I do, it's for God. He is my provider, right? I just get to work in this environment and I'm gonna make the most of it that I can while I'm here to shine for Jesus. I always used to say to my kids, don't shine, sorry, don't blend, shine. Wherever you are, don't blend, shine. On my gravestone, they said they're gonna put the words, don't blend, shine. Because that's what I want my kids to do. I don't want them to blend. I want them to shine for Jesus. I want them to be able to do and leave a mark where people go, what's different about him? What's different about her? But to live a life that is significant, that counts. The greatest reward will be given to those people who serve God in heaven. And as I said to you before, being committed, being committed to where you are to shine for Jesus, being committed to do what God wants you to do. I could have easily at that, when I paid for that bill, I could have easily ignored that prompting to say something to that waitress. But you know what? I got to be able to invest the gospel into her life. Imagine if I just walked away. God wouldn't have forgotten her. He would have used someone else. And I got the joy to be able to share Christ Jesus with her. Number two, we see that this girl was not only committed to where she was in her environment, but she, she had character. Her life counted because of her character. You know, your character can be calculated by a degree by how you act when when others are not watching you? What are you really like when people are not watching you? You know, this young Hebrew girl was so far from her home and her family. She could have been whoever she wanted to be, right? But she had a God character. She allowed her lifestyle not to change her where she was in, but to be able to shine in the place that she was in, to have good character and godly character because her commitment was to God. You know, when another country invades another country in the, in the times of the Bible, they would always look for prisoners or take into captivity those who were the most intelligent, 
And those are the most beautiful to work in in their homes. So the ugly ones are lucky. We see that they chose, like just like the choosing of Daniel. The same thing happened when they chose Daniel. He was strong, he was handsome, and and he was taken by the Babylonians. And we see this young woman, she was intelligent or she was beautiful. Perhaps she was both. But none of that mattered because when she was in that home, she made her life count in that environment, in that home. She was she, you know, she wasn't rich in any way, but she was rich in the love of Jesus, in the love of her God. She was rich because she had God who shined through her. We see her commitment. Her commitment was not to the wealth or health. Sorry, her commitment was not to the wealth or to the health. Her commitment was not to beauty or to pride. Her commitment was not to popularity or fame. Her commitment was to her God. Whatever you do, however, you re, however you're treated, know as you commit to God, He will look after the rest. He will look after the rest. You just need to be committed and obey God and what He tells you to do and begin to live that life, invest that life, that life that counts for Him. Her character shone in that place. You know, the, the third thing that we see that counted in her life, why her life counted is what she was, her compassion. She was compassionate. She didn't see resentment. She didn't hold a grudge against Naaman and his, his wife. She wasn't angry. She perhaps longed for home but she had compassion. When she heard of Naaman's condition and the disease that he had, she could have been happy for him. Great. He's gonna pass on one day. How good is that? You deserve what you get. No, she didn't think like that. She had compassion for him. She knew that if he went and saw the prophet Elijah, he would be healed by the Almighty God. And she didn't keep that secret to herself, but rather she told her maid, she told Naaman's wife of what could happen if only he went to see the prophet. She wanted him to be healed. You know, I like what, Jason was saying in communion, sometimes when people accuse you wrongly or perhaps you've been mistreated, everything in human nature wants to retaliate. Everything in human nature wants to prove them wrong. And I think of Jesus. He had every opportunity to tell those who were whipping him, those who were mistreating him, to, to tell him and what that's gonna happen to prove himself right, but he didn't. The Bible says he remained silent. He remained quiet. And I've come to learn in my 54 years of life that being right is overrated. Proving to be right is overrated. Let, let it just go, right? Now, I'm not saying be a doormat. Sometimes you need to bring, you know, correct, not correction, but your side. But if it's a, a, becomes a war, if you lose relationship over it, it's wrong, right? Take it to God. 
And I'm sure that God in time will intervene and the truth will always come out. You see, this girl had great faith to see her captive, her master healed by God. She knew who was in charge and that was God. She had compassion enough to lead him to the place that he could get healing. She had compassion that led her to care, led her to dare and led her to share. Let us be inspired by this nameless young girl that whatever circumstance, scenario, family, environment, Christmas is coming up and I know there's those sometimes that annoying family member, you know, use this opportunity to rather retaliate, show love, don't respond. Do you want some more bread and butter pudding? Christmas cake? I don't know, whatever it is. And let God deal with that. Pray for them. Pray for them. You know, it's interesting to note that Naaman, with all his power and all his position, with all his wealth, with all his success, still had a need. And there are people out there that have a need. Everyone has a need. Everyone has a need. Sometimes it's being aware of those around you. And rather than rushing through life, just take time to observe and see, is there anyone that I can be a blessing to today? Is there anyone that I can ask, how are you going? Are you okay? And allow, allow God's love to flow through you. That's the life that counts. Not all the money, not all the stuff, not all the titles. Even though it's good, it's helpful along the way because it brings you into places to be more effective. But it's not all about that. You know, compassionate Christian looks for the opening and the opportunity to reveal Jesus Christ and the answer and to the needs of humanity. You want to live a life that counts? Be compassionate. Make time to notice people. Number four, her life counted because of her consistency. Consistency means doing the right thing day after day, even when you're persecuted for it, even when you are called Bible basher, even when you are called different names, doing the same thing, being a lover of people, being a lover of Jesus, being a person who allows the love of Jesus to filtrate through your life. Being faithful on a regular basis, no matter who you are or what you are doing. You know, John Maxwell, who's a leadership man, talks about leadership, says, small disciplines repeated with consistency every day lead to great achievements gained slowly over time. I'll read that again. Small disciplines, consistency, repeated with consistency every day lead to great achievements gained slowly over time. Allow, invest your time. Invest your time to count. Live a life that counts. Be consistent, be faithful. You know, people may not respond to you 
immediately, but you leave them enough to think about, to walk away from, that was such a pleasant time that I had with that person. They may not understand that it's the kindness and love of Jesus that flows through you, but they will ponder upon that. It's apparent that Naaman believed in the God of this young woman, so much so that he responded and he went to see the prophet Elisha. And as you read on, you see how as Elisha, the prophet Elisha said, go to dip in the river and he, dipping seven times, he got healed. Why? Because this woman, this young girl, nameless girl, was confident to say, if you go here, you will be healed. She was consistent in that home. And number five, closing, her conquest. Her life counted because of her conquest. She gave the directions to Naaman, which eventually followed him seeing the God who heals. She could have kept it as a secret, but she had a conquest. No, I want to see my master healed. I want to see him good. I want to see him be able to dress himself not in pain to be able to fight, not in pain, to be able to live and know who my God is. And we see that he was healed as a result. Each gives out of what is in them. I don't know what's in you. I don't know what you pursue, what you hold on to tightly, whether it's the making of the money, whether it's getting the titles, but can I tell you that all those things will pass away. But the love of Jesus that you give out won't pass away, won't run out, will make a difference. Let people leave your company feeling like that was nice and closer of wanting, I wanna seek the God that she follows, that he follows. She gave not of what she received, but she gave of what was in her heart, and that was God. Her life counted not only by the end result, but it was by the life that she displayed. Her commitment, her character, her compassion, her consistency and her conquest. As we come to a close, if the musicians can come right now, I wanna share one last story with you. But before I do, I just only yesterday, my sister was telling me about a testimony of a lady in Texas. Her and her husband were extremely well off. They were uh, in companies and they were CEOs, like they had money 
coming out of their ears. They had six teenagers. They weren't believers. They weren't Christians. But they, need, they, they were working a lot. And so they employed a nanny to look after, to be, you know, a maid, I suppose, in a way, to look after things, their children, to just make sure. She said, I, I listened to her testimony, to make sure that the kids were okay and they weren't into drugs and they weren't on the devices all the time. So she came in. But they, little did they know where they interviewed this young, this lady, that she was a God-fearing woman. So you can call her weird, but she records and said, she goes, she would go around the house playing the tambourine. And then she had this bottle of oil that she used to put everywhere, right? And she would annoy everywhere. So I didn't understand. I thought she was crazy, but she was a good nanny. I couldn't let her go. We needed her. And she goes in and as time went on, she'd come back into her home and she's just nice, something different in this home. And she'd come back and she go, like she goes, I, I couldn't explain, but there was this drawing of wanting to know what, you've brought something into this house that's very different. And this nanny was able to share Jesus with her and her husband, who now to this day have a great ministry where their home is always open to people from all over to experience the love of Jesus that they experienced. During the Cold War, soon after World War II, between the United States and Russia, tensions were extremely high. A chance of nuclear attack was always imminent between the two countries. And we could, some of those who are old enough, we remember by the news. And Berlin in Germany was cut in half, with one side being under the control of America and the other side under the control of Russia. One day the Russians backed up a garbage truck filled with garbage on the border that divided the city. And they dumped a whole lot of garbage, a truckload of it onto the American side. The next day, the Americans drove a couple of trucks, large trucks to the Russian side and began to unload boxes of food. Then the Americans placed a sign on the boxes that said, each gives what each has. Wow. That's in a way what this nameless young girl did. She gave not from a bitter heart. She gave not from a resentful heart. She gave not from a heart was like, God, you should be looking after me and now I'm a prisoner in this place. No, she gave from a grateful heart, a thankful heart, a loving heart, a sincere heart. She was committed. She had great character. She was consistent. She was compassionate and she had a conquest. 
today. You're in environments that I'll never get to go to. Workplaces, neighbourhoods, families. And if I could come to every one of those places and be able to shine the light of Jesus and not blend in, I would. But He's not called me to those places. He's called you. He's called your life to make a difference, to count. You may never lead them to Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, as you sow a seed, as you bring a meal, as you sit and listen, as you hug them, as you give them some advice, as you share Jesus, you know what you're doing? You're being the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. You too can live a life that counts. You can choose to spend it on yourself, be comfortable, or you can choose to invest it and make another life count. Or perhaps introduce them to the one who loves them, the one who died for them, Jesus Christ.